Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us. We come, Heavenly Father, to honor the Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace to us. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for revealing to us what love is, what grace is in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come and adore you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Matthew chapter number 2. Merry Christmas. If you're a guest with us here today, I'm Pastor Mike, and we're honored to have you here with us today. And uh, Michael, if you can please give me some more of this right here. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. Matthew chapter number 2 is where we'll be looking. And these days we've been talking about this very important theme at Christmas time that we find all the way through the Gospel of Matthew, especially we find it in the other Gospels. But these words are given to us clearly in the, the Gospel of Matthew because Matthew is seeking to point out that everything in the life of Jesus Christ, everything is the fulfillment of God's predictive promises about His coming to this earth to die for our sins and also about His coming a second time as our King and Redeemer and Savior. So I remind you of this because it's important. You carry your Bible with you, you have your Bible, and it's important for you to know that the Bible is called in the Word of God the Scriptures. Scriptures means writings, the graphe, the writings. The writings of the Old Testament point toward one who is coming. Point to this one, this glorious one who has been from all eternity, who now comes in time to save his people from their sins, to save, to redeem, to heal. We saw, as we saw a few weeks ago, looking at this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, behold the virgin. Isaiah is saying this. This comes from the writings. This is what we hear now. This is what the angel says to the earthly father of the Lord Jesus. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Lord Jesus is God with us. He is Emmanuel. But I wanna, I wanna say to you just while you're finding your place in Matthew 2, remember that the Word of God is not only filled with all these predictive promises regarding the Lord Jesus Christ's first coming and His second coming. They're given to us by the prophets. They're given to us by these predictive promises are given to us by the Lord Himself and also by the apostles in, in their letters. But we also understand that the Word of God, the Scriptures, teach us what this phrase that it might be fulfilled is teaching us, listen, that God will accomplish everything he intends to do in history. God will accomplish everything he intends to do in history. God is at work in the world accomplishing his purposes. Sometimes we come in prayer and we talk about praying and we speak with God as if the whole world revolves around our little world. The reality is we pray, as the Lord taught us as disciples, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I'm saying all of this to say to you when you pick up your Bible to read, here's the great confidence. 
From Genesis all the way to Revelation, you'll find the Lord Jesus in all the pages. You must allow the Holy Spirit of God to point you to it and say that there He is. There's the Lord Jesus in the pages of the Word of God, whether you read in Genesis, whether you're reading in Leviticus or somewhere along in the Chronicles or the Kings or in the Psalms, the Proverbs, all the way through the prophets, all of them, do you see the Lord Jesus as He is honored? You see, every scripture will be fulfilled regarding the Lord Jesus' first coming and second coming. And the Lord Himself said something very important. Are you listening? The scriptures cannot be broken. So what God has promised, God will do. The next time you're saying, oh, how hard it is, Lord, the scriptures will not be broken. What the Lord promises, He will do. Come to the Lord Jesus, trust Him for what you need, and you will discover God always keeps His promises. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the circumstances of your life. So today we come to look at how the scriptures have been fulfilled in the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our focus today is this, that Jesus Christ was born and lives today as ruler of the nations and shepherd of his people, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. I have four observations for you, and I apologize for the, uh, the, uh, the way it looks on the screen. It may not be easy to read, perhaps it's a little better now. But we want to uh, look at these, and I'll just spend a few moments on them in our little bit of time we have together. We find these magi who come. Let's read this together, and then we'll come back and look at these observations. Chapter, one, chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler." who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time and the star's appearance. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you found him, report to me so that I may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child, the child, the child in your Bible, uppercase C, the child was. 
When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceeding, exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of your word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. The Magi from the nations searched for the place where Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, was to be born. Number one. I'm just going to go through the text and talk about it for a moment. Number two. The Magi from the nations came to worship Jesus Christ, King of the Jews and of the nations. Number three. Herod the reigning king of the Jews was not prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, king of the Jews and the nations. I find that ironic. Jesus Christ, ruler or king shepherd, was born in Bethlehem. He was born in Bethlehem, no other place. This is the place, Bethlehem specifically in this place, that it might be fulfilled from the Scriptures. What do we see here? The Magi. These strange ones that we've all seen in various ways and times through musicals on, uh, in art and in various ways uh, on, the, uh, on movies. These Magi. The word Magi is the word Magos. It's a word that describes a learned priestly person. It was describing a group of royal counselors to kings, these magi. They were stargazers. They, they went because of their lostness. They did not have the scriptures of the Old Testament. They only had the stars. They sought to try to find God in the stars like some still try to do today. How sad it is to live in a world where people still think that they can find God in the stars. Uh, these magi were royal counselors, stargazers, astrologers. And all of a sudden they found a star of stars. They knew the stars. They knew the constellations. They knew what had been handed down to them in their astrology. And the reality is now there's this star. And they come and they say, as these royal ambassadors on behalf of kings, perhaps from Asia, Persia, India. They represent the nations. They come in this star. They say, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Verse 2, we saw his star in the east. The Lord Jesus comes back later to say to us at the end in the book of Revelation, I am the bright and morning star. They saw a star not like any of the other stars that usually are in the heavens. This star was a star that led them, moved with them, and brought them to Bethlehem. They asked the right question as those from the nations. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And then notice what they say, verse 2. Here's the reason. We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. This word worship that they, that they use here, the word is a beautiful word. Now we've been worshiping, but there's something here that we must understand of the effect and power of real worship 
that we don't always, we're not able to duplicate in public, but you can in private. You can perhaps better in private. It means to kiss the hand of a royal in reverence. It is to kiss the hand. It is to, I can't do it or I won't be able to get up. I've been with my four-year-old too much. It's to kneel. It's to kneel. It's to do homage. Do you come to the Lord Jesus like that? Do you find happiness and joy in singing to the Lord? But do you bow to this one who is the eternal ruler, shepherd, Jesus Christ, the child born? We saw his star in the east and we have come to do homage. We have come to show reverence. We have come to kiss the hand. We have come to kneel. And so we read what they do. In verse 11 of chapter 2, they seen the Lord Jesus there with His mother Mary. Verse 11, and they fall to the ground. Can you imagine the sight of Mary and Joseph when these royal dignitaries from all over the world, places they've never seen of and perhaps ever heard of, come with their treasures and do homage before the Lord Jesus Christ, the child. What an illustration of worship. How I pray that our church knows and understands and learns what it is to show honor and glory to the Lord and to worship Him with reverent hearts, with joy, with submission in our souls. These Gentile magi remind us that the nations who are saved, those who come to know Jesus during this time of grace, the nations now come to the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in Him. They trust Him as Lord and Savior. And one day the nations, all will bow. All nations will come before the Lord Jesus Christ when He reigns in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And they will come globally in the millennial time and they will honor the Lord Jesus and He will be King of the entire globe and world. The saved of the nations today, I remind you, the saved of all nations in heaven today sing praise to the Lord. Revelation 5 says, they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made all of those from the globe who believed in the Lord Jesus. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Isaiah says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Kings, those who run countries, those who root monarchs and kings and presidents. Isaiah 63, nations will come to your light. It's yet to come, but it's promised to come in history. It will be fulfilled. And the Word of God goes on to say, Isaiah 49, 7, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, to Him who was despised and abhorred by the nations, kings will see you, Isaiah now says, of something we've not yet seen, but will happen. Kings will see you 
and kings will rise up. Princes will see you and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful. You see, worship is kissing the hand that blesses, kissing the hand that disciplines, kissing the hand that cares, kissing the hand that guides, Kissing the hand that protects. Kissing the hand that saves. You see, you're here today and you're in one of two positions in your life. You can be religiously lost and not know Jesus. Do you ever bow? Do you ever bow? Does the Lord Jesus meet you and you bow before Him? You honor Him? You submit yourself to Him? You say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, not mine, not my purposes. But then we have Herod. The Herod way. I wish I had more time to develop this, but there's a lot to say about Herod the Great. I've never introduced myself as, hello, I'm Michael the Great. Have you ever introduced yourself? Now, you might act like that when you walk in a room. Hello, I'm... And everybody thinks, well, what, the great one's here. But Herod actually is the great. This is his name. Herod was the reigning at the time king of the Jews. He was an Arab of descent by birth. He had an Arab father and a Jewish mother, but he was a practicing Jew. Herod uh, had been trained by the rabbis. He knew the scriptures, but he had forgotten. He, he forgot something. A Messiah is coming. The entire Old Testament says, a coming one is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. But Herod the Great, Herod the Great, he is a man who's preoccupied with building greatness. And he did. He was quite a builder. You can study all about him. But Herod represents for us, the Magi represent the nations who come to see the Lord Jesus. It's a historic event, but there's so much behind this that I want you to see. But Herod now, when they come and they say, where's the king of the Jews? Well, he's quite afraid. He's troubled. He's paranoid about the news of the Messiah. All of a sudden, he's shaken. He's shaken. Wait a minute. The Messiah, king of the Jews, born? You see, Herod was a man filled and preoccupied with worldly power and prestige, personal importance, and image. It was all about his image. Herod, to his credit, did many things in Jerusalem to help and other places in Israel to help with what he built. He was a genius at these things. It was a 46-year project, and he built Herod's temple, it's called. Brother Jeff and Chris, others of you have been there and you've seen the, uh, the, the remains of the place where it was and all the rest, but Rome finally destroyed it. But it was Herod's work, master work, some say, 46 years in the making. But you see, Herod is one who's not been paying attention because of his preoccupation with his greatness that there's a Messiah, King of Jews, coming. So now, all of a sudden, he is saying, well, come back and tell me about this one. And so he collects up all of the Bible teachers and Bible preachers of the day. 
in verse 4, he gathers all of the religious leaders who know their scriptures, the chief priests and scribes, and he, he asks, now, where exactly is the Messiah to be born? And they answer him from the book of Micah, Micah chapter 5, 2, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So he was reminded of the promise of the word of God and what God's word promises, are you listening, will be fulfilled. And this day, historically, it had been fulfilled. Jesus Christ had been born in Bethlehem. Now we discover finally that, I want to talk about it for a moment, this passage in Micah 5. Jesus Christ is promised as one who would be born out of Bethlehem to be the ruler, shepherd, king of the nations, the Jews, and the shepherd of his people. Bethlehem. Bethlehem's not a, a, a big place. Bethlehem is a, is, a, is a rather small place. It's not like Jerusalem. Bethlehem was the, promise, was the place of David and it's the promised place of the Messiah. And so notice these words that come to us here in verse number six. Out of Bethlehem shall come a ruler. Now you know when, uh, in, even in our world, those places where there are still kings and royalty as they call themselves, uh, that when, when, a royal, when a royal is born, then there's a, big, there's a big stir about it. There's a big announcement about the ruler, uh, a new ruler being born. Nothing such happens here when the Lord Jesus is born. Micah says, out of you shall come, out of Bethlehem shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. But when the Lord Jesus was born in the stable, it was an insignificant, overlooked matter. It, made, it didn't make any history. Nobody knew about it except the few who were there, shepherds and these who had come, who had watched a star. There was no announcement about Messiah King being born unnoticed by the world and yet worshipped by these few. You see, the Lord Jesus is the ruler and shepherd of the nations. It may not appear to you like that today. You might look at the world and see it in chaos. <coughs> Excuse me, and wonder, where is the Lord and what is He doing? You might look at your own life and you've prayed repeatedly and asked the Lord to help you and do things for you. And it seems like everything just stays the same. Nothing seems to be changing. But you see, I want us to understand today who this one is who proceeds out of Bethlehem, who is this ruler, who is Lord. You see, I cannot be saved. You cannot be saved if we can, without saying that Jesus is Lord. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. But what do we say? If we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. There is an importance in submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you a Herod? Are you going in Herod's way? Really, the big thing in your life is prestige, fame, respect, notoriety. You want to be known by what you've done and what you build and who you are. 
rather than coming and laying all of that down at the feet of the Lord Jesus and saying, I don't care about any of those things. I come to adore and worship and follow Jesus for as long as I live. I want you to take your Bible just as we finish now. I know what time it is. Sometimes, you know, in the old days before they had clocks for preachers, I guess some deacons thought it up, but people would do like this when I'd preach. They'd raise their hand. I had one old deacon, he'd always do this. Micah chapter 5, I'd like for you to look there for a moment. I want to say to you as best I can, there's one, there's one who was born this day who came out of Bethlehem. His name was King Shepherd Jesus Christ, Messiah. And this one who came, we read in Micah 5, 2, but as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah from you. One, capital, notice it's a capital letter, an uppercase, one. One, just one. Not many, one. One person. This was spoken hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus was born. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. Ah, now listen to me today. Why am I calling us to worship and adore? Ah, here's who you worship and adore. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. You might consider yourself great, but I'm talking to you about the Lord Jesus who's always been great and has always existed. I come speaking to you about the one who if you will submit yourself to him, surrender your life and follow Jesus, will radically change your life. He will make you a new person. He will guide you and direct you in all of your ways. But he is first and we are last. He is the one who has preeminence and we are those who serve him at his discretion in whatever way, whatever he places on you, you say to him, this is the will of God for me. And you do it. Notice he is the one who has always existed. When John the Baptist was baptizing, what did he say? I'm not worthy to uh, uh, take off his sandal because, listen, he existed before me. He existed before all of you. He existed before the greatest of people who have ever lived on this planet and built monuments to their greatness and written books about their greatness. He existed before all of them. He is the Son of God, the Eternal One, who has been sent here, the child, the Holy One of God. And out of Bethlehem came the ruler shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will come Again, read on. Verse 4, he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And then I give you only one last word of encouragement from this prophecy that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Verse 5, this one, please notice in your Bible, uppercase, this one will be our peace. You want to know peace? 
You want to have peace in all the storms and troubles of life? You want to know what it is to be secure when everything's falling apart? It is in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Well, Herod, at the end of his life, built himself a massive mountain fort. You can Google Go home and Google it to see if Pastor Mike's done his homework. Go Google it. There's a massive place, this massive impenetrable fort that he built. It's three miles approximately from Bethlehem. It's quite an impressive thing. He's buried there. Herod the Great, oh, by the way, died. You know, when people think they're great, they don't think they're going to die. But everybody is going to die. Are you ready to die? Herod died and they put him in that famous fortress, that massive mountain fortress. Read about it. But three miles away in Bethlehem, the king of kings was born. Now, I know this. I've never been there. But I know it on good account. No one's ever gone to Herod the Great's tomb and worshipped. They might have gone there and been impressed. Look at all the things he's done. They've never gone there to worship. But I promise you, millions upon millions of people through the generations have gone to Bethlehem as best they can find the place. And you know what they've done? They've worshipped the Lord Jesus who came from Bethlehem as ruler and shepherd. You have to lay your greatness down. You have to surrender your greatness, your, your arrogance, and submit to God. Arrogance and pride get in the church. Arrogance and pride can carry you to do things you ought not to do when you think yourself better than others. And certainly, you see, when you worship and adore and kiss the hand and do homage and praise Him and follow Him, you know what it'll do? It'll keep you from sin. It'll keep you from sin. So what do we remember today? Quickly, Jesus Christ reigns as King and Shepherd. Hallelujah, the Scriptures have been fulfilled. Jesus Christ the Shepherd is coming again. Peter said it when the Chief Shepherd appears. He is coming back. He is coming back. Live with the expectation. Live with the reality. Did you wake up today? I was speaking with our pastors and leaders the other day, reminding them, remember that old hymn, what if it were today? What if the Lord, if the Lord comes today, it's going to mess up your shopping next week. What will you do? If the Lord comes this week, you won't have that big dinner to make. What will you do? What if it were today? What if he came this afternoon and interrupted your football watching? 
What would you do? It interrupted your nap. What if it were today the Lord Jesus, the chief shepherd, is coming? The scriptures have been fulfilled completely in his first coming. And I submit to you, just as carefully, the Lord Jesus will come with all of those predictive promises that will be fulfilled in his coming. And when he comes and reigns on the earth, I love what the prophecy of Psalm 72 says, let all the kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. That's what will happen when Jesus will reign wherever the sun does shine on this earth. Come, Lord Jesus, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And you, Bethlehem, <laughs> you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means among the least of the leaders of Judah. For out of you, Bethlehem, out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And that shepherd ruler is at the door. It's closer than ever. It could be today. And so the church prays Come, Lord Jesus.